Welcome back, listeners, to the Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens. I'm your host, Yaden Smith, and let me say, Happy New Year. I hope that y'all had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We're looking forward to having a very exciting 2019. We have some amazing guests scheduled for the show. And this week, I'm very excited to introduce, uh, actually, I think you're the first attorney we've had on the show. Great. Um, We've had a legal student on the show (laughs) and an attorney to come, but J.J. Evans with uh, JJ, what's what's the name of y'all's firm? Thurman Kirshner and Timms. And y'all are right here in town on Cedar Street, we are. right hey. in front of Swallowtail Architecture. Exactly, we share property with them. Yeah. Uh, they're in the back, we're in the front. Yeah, awesome. So JJ, we're gonna start off with a giant disclaimer, which listeners, I'm talking in all caps here. This is not legal advice. This is two business friends sitting down, having a conversation about life. Now. Take this stuff and use it to make your life better. But this is not legal advice. Check with an attorney before making a decision that involves legal stuff. All right? This doesn't count, listening to this podcast. (laughs) All right, so JJ, you know, first off, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, what's your story? How'd you get to be an attorney? Well, I think mine is a little unique compared to a lot of folks uh, simply because I started out in the law industry or law business as a police officer <laughs> um, back in the late 90s uh, down in Colleton County. I was a deputy sheriff there, and then I was a deputy sheriff in Charleston County for seven years, and then I finished my career at SLED as a narcotics agent. Uh, I also did regional investigations and whatnot uh, for SLED, but then uh, had the opportunity to go to law school and took it, uh, finished up um, magna cum laude at Charleston School of Law in 2015, and uh, I always tell everybody I landed well with this firm because their their beliefs aligned with my beliefs, and uh, it, it's been a great experience for the last three years. Well, we know from our, our weekly uh, networking group, Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So have, having a culture at the firm that's a good fit, that's, I, I can see that being huge. That's oh, absolutely. It's one of those things that uh, I see how some firms operate, and I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying it's not me. Mm-hmm. And I uh, definitely landed somewhere that, that supports my, my belief in the culture of the firm is, is that of honesty and integrity, and uh, we just do things the right way. Uh, to help people. Y'all are the ones that gives attorney that try and restore a good name to lawyers. That's, <laughs> I, I really feel that way. Now, how long were you with SLED? I, I counted 14 years with Colleton and Charleston. And then. Well, I had to be 100% completely right. accurate. When I retired or left SLED, I had 18 years, six months and five days in the system. In the system. So, wow. um, I, I was, a. uh, cop quote unquote for the majority of my adult life so as a cop did you how what was your perspective of attorneys you know from dealing with attorneys that that uh, suspects or people who had allegedly committed crimes how was your experience with attorneys just like any other profession there's all kinds and what i've learned very quickly is that a great attorney will make you a great cop Um, there's a lot of attorneys that only, uh, 
through any means necessary, want to clear their clients, um, not necessarily willing to work uh, with an officer. Uh, but the good attorneys, the great attorneys made me a better police officer. And I had a, a local attorney tell me one time uh, when I was a sled agent that if I do my job as a sled agent to the best of my ability and don't act in a lazy manner and try to cut corners that it leaves him nothing to do, but try to work out a great plea deal. But when police officers are lazy or do not do their job to the best of their ability, that's when a good lawyer is able to capitalize on mistakes. Mm. And that, that sat with me for years and why I did the, the things I did as a, as a police officer. I, I, I can see that thoroughness would be an absolutely critical factor in law enforcement. Right. So my forte in law enforcement was writing uh, wiretap investigations uh, for different federal task forces and the thoroughness that it takes to get a warrant from uh, a federal judge that has to be passed through the deputy attorney general for enforcement in Washington, D.C. is incredible. They, They really take it very seriously that you know, you're getting ready to invade this person's privacy because they're engaged right. in criminal activity. Um, that's not to be taken lightly. Uh, it really has to, to be 100% accurate and really cover your bases to be able to, to get such a warrant. And uh, that level of thoroughness and writing ability and um, general investigative ability is what led me to, to want to go to law school. Nice. Nice. So you went to law school in... Or you graduated in 2015. Right. Graduated in 2015 and been practicing for the past three years. Correct. That's excellent. So what, what sort of focus do you have? Because I know, you know there's no one-size-fits-all attorney. I mean, th- yeah, there are, and, but, and, but know, become few and far between. Right. South Carolina doesn't allow you to say I specialize in right. one type of law or another. Um, you know, the bar exam covers everything from mm-hmm. A to Z when it comes to being a lawyer. but I focus mainly on criminal defense work and personal injury work. So okay. car wrecks, slip and falls, things like that are, you know, a, a large bit of my caseload is DUI-related um, um, drug offenses, uh, anything like that. And, and, you know, I'm not after for a client to be a, a drug kingpin or something like that. What I'm looking for really is a good person who has made a poor decision. Yeah. Well, I know, so so listeners, JJ and I are in a networking group. We meet once a week, and I, I consistently have heard you say, and I love how you put this, that you are in the dignity restoration business. And I truly believe that, Aiden. What, what happens is somebody makes a poor decision and then realizes the collateral consequences of that decision. So, you know, a DUI, for example, is not just a $900 ticket, you pay it and walk away. Uh, DUI in South Carolina gives you... It's a big deal. Yeah. it's uh, So the, the collateral consequences are what you're looking at. It's, um, you know, six months of a suspended license, uh, three years of SR-22 insurance, which is just an outrageous amount of money to pay to drive a car on top of what you normally have to pay. And you would have to take ADSAP, which is the Alcohol Drug Safety Action Program through the state. And the biggest thing is you're going to have a permanent criminal record that cannot be expunged in South Carolina. Mm. There is no way to expunge a 
conviction for driving under the influence or driving with an unlawful alcohol concentration. So you have it once when, you, what, when whatever age you are, but if you have it like, let's just say at age 21, you could have, I mean, if you live to be 81, that's 60 years on your record. Correct. So you could be 55, never have a speeding ticket after that. And, and when you go to yeah. apply for a job and you have to put down it's that st- you've been still convicted, around. Yeah. you've you been have convicted to put that of down. a criminal offense. There's, I mean, you're toast. Well, and you know, I, I found that a lot of folks, you know, first of all, uh, George Bush had a DUI, Dick Cheney had two. Uh, <laughs> so they rose, they rose above what, what, uh, would be expected. But at the end of the day, if you and another person are going for the same type of job, your credentials are nearly equal. You have a record and the other person does not. Yeah. That's um, not even a choice. Yeah. It, it kind of puts you if behind the eight ball, right? Yeah. Well, I know you talked about uh, like shame and dignity. I know just yesterday I uh, got to interface with, I had a blue light special happen to me on Main Street as I was going to pay my water bill and my electric bill. And the officers were very polite. I was like, I don't know, did I turn when I shouldn't have turned? I don't know what I've done. But of course, I started to freak out a little bit because I'm just getting pulled over. I don't know what's going on. And it turns out that my registration was expired. The little sticker that goes on the license plate, somehow, mine is two years old, uh, which is, is obviously way past its expiration date. And fortunately, in my case, but I was in shame, it's like, this is embarrassing that I've let something stupid like this happen. Right. However, in this case, you know, it's a $150 citation, but I just go around the corner to the DMV. Uh, well, around the corner, up to St. George, the DMV, go to the county building, pay my taxes, get my registration done, and, you know, I'll be able to show that to the court when I go to court in January. I'll be like, okay, you're good. Right. But still, it, I, was, I was like, okay. And I remember the officers, both officers got out of the car, and I realized, it's like, these guys don't know who I am. I just, I've, I've heard my whole life that pulling a traffic stop is the most dangerous thing that officers do. Yeah, that and domestic violence yeah. calls are the two worst. Because you just you just have no idea what can of worms you might be opening by walking up to this car. So you know, I moved slowly. Anyways, you know, I was I was nervous. I was ashamed that I was getting pulled over. Fortunately, in my case, it's a citation that I could easily I can easily deal with. It's not going to follow me. But yeah, what you said about dignity. I did not have as much. I did not have much dignity in that moment because I was freaking out. Uh, man. Well, let's jump right into it. So, as an expert, now again, listeners, this is not legal advice. This is just you know general guidelines that probably anybody who thought through it would tell you. <laughs> not an attorney, but JJ, what are some what are some pieces of advice you could give an average person to improve their life? And, you know, I thought about this whenever we, we began having right. conversations of, of uh, recording this. And, you know, just like you were yesterday stopped by the police, um, I think that uh, I've got a few things to say about if you are stopped by the police, how uh, to make your life easier at that mm. point. Okay. Rock and roll. So, first of all, I will tell you to be nice. Um, <laughs> the officer... Stopped you because it's his job, her job. Uh, 
there is absolutely no reason to be discourteous. Um, understand that that officer may approach the vehicle uh, in a cautious manner, but the officer doesn't know you from anyone. Um, just because you look like a nice person doesn't necessarily mean you are one. Uh, there's a lot of people in the world that want to hurt police officers, and until they get that level of comfort with you, they're going to act somewhat defensively. Their guard's going to be up. Yeah, and it should be because, yeah. like you said a minute ago, uh, you stop a, a normal-looking car on a normal-looking day, and the person has a load of narcotics in the trunk um, that could put them in jail for the rest of their natural life. They're going to act a lot differently than somebody that got stopped for an expired registration. Right. But until the officer gets a chance to explore that, they just don't know. Yeah. Right. So that I would I will tell you to be courteous and be nice is my first piece of advice. That's good. Uh, second of all, I would tell you to have those documents that every officer is going to ask for handy. Um, there's no need to dig through your glove box for your registration. You you know if for you some reason you got ask. stopped, they want your <laughs> driver's license, registration, and proof of insurance. Those things should be easily accessible where you don't have to reach around a whole lot to get to them because most people don't think about the fact that criminals, and, and let me preface it by saying this, the only thing that all criminals have in common is they have to move around. They have to to take the same roads that normal people do. They have to drive around to engage in their criminal activity. They're driving so, on main street, just like I was. Absolutely. Um, that, that's the only way to engage in that sort of activity is to move around from place to place. Uh, so all criminals have that in common is transportation. You know, it's interesting. You say like, don't move around. Cause I noticed uh, I didn't have my documents ready because I didn't even have the register registration wasn't in my truck for some reason, but I reached into, I thought I had my insurance in one place, which I just opened it up and it's right there, but it wasn't. And I remembered I had a copy of my insurance declaration page in my briefcase because I had just been getting a new quote. So I said, officer, I have, I have this in my briefcase, but I noticed when I reached for that in my briefcase, his hand moved from like this, the, the door of my truck to his sidearm. Absolutely. And, and, and you I know, was it's like, because he doesn't know what I have in my briefcase. Right. He just doesn't know. Right. And it's not that you're a bad person. I made sure I moved real slow <laughs> and, you know, tried like, here, here's the file of papers I'm pulling out to give you. Right. And there's a lot of places yeah. inside a vehicle to hide a weapon. Oh my gosh. And if you just start sticking your hands in places that, uh, you know, that might be where your registration is, but just please remember the, the officer doesn't know that. As soon as you stop, just get it out. Just, just find it, get it out. Get have it it out. Hands, Roll down the windows. Yeah. If it's at night, turn on your interior lights, mm -hmm. keep your hands where they can see them. Um, everything that you would think would make that officer feel safe is going to go miles and miles to help you when the officer evaluates the infraction that you're accused of or right. whether they're going to take enforcement action or a warning. Yeah. So that would be my second piece of advice is understand what the officer is perhaps perceiving, uh, move deliberately and slowly um, make sure that they can see your hands and have your documents ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what, yeah, very important. So um, the third thing that I wouldn't mind addressing is that, you know, in South Carolina, it is not illegal to drink and drive. It's illegal to be impaired and drive. So those things are different. Oh. 
So the law says you have to be materially and appreciably impaired, which means that they can measure it, your level of impairment. Mm -hmm. So just because you had a couple of drinks doesn't necessarily mean you're impaired. You might not be impaired. You might not be impaired. But um, I will tell you that the best thing that you could do if there's any doubt in your mind as to your level of impairment is protect your rights. Um, you don't have to answer any questions that a law enforcement officer asks you beyond, you know, where's your driver's license? Is this correct? Where do you live? Um, anything like that, of course you have to answer, but, uh, have you been drinking tonight? You don't have to be ugly, but you certainly can say officer with all due respect, I prefer not to answer that question. Right. How many drinks have you had? Officer, I would prefer not to answer that. You you do not have to incriminate yourself. Understand that if you are in fact impaired, and and first of all, I would say you don't just don't do it. Don't yeah. drive impaired. <laughs> the good decision is don't drive, don't drive impaired. impaired. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> that's that's not going to happen. After that, we only yeah. have levels of bad decisions. Right. So, um, I would tell you that there's absolutely no reason to to uh, incriminate yourself if if you've had four or five drinks and you just don't know whether you should be driving or not. Now, the the short story is you're probably going to be arrested. But um, if you look at it from the officer's point of view, at that point, the officer doesn't know whether you're impaired or not. Um, and if the officer just lets you go, and you go down the road and have an accident and someone gets mm. hurt, then the officer truly is liable for what, yeah. you know, he should have done a better yeah. investigation. So odds are good that you may be arrested, but don't, why give them more evidence to use against you? Right. Um, it is your right to not to, to, to give that evidence. You mm -hmm. do not have to. Yeah. So are there, are there, I assume there are tests that officers can do to test someone's sobriety or, right. or impairment. And they're, they're called standardized field sobriety yeah. tests. And there's three of them. The first one that they always give is the horizontal gaze nystagmus test. And it, an nystagmus is an involuntary jerking of your eyes that is brought on by an outside uh, influence. Uh, so one of those influences that can cause a nystagmus is alcohol. I guess. Um, flashing lights can cause a nystagmus. Uh, you know, some sort of neuromuscular disease can cause a nystagmus. But what, what the officer's looking at is they smelled alcohol and they're going to offer that horizontal gaze nystagmus. And you've all seen it where uh, the officer holds a pen in front of somebody's face and moves it back and forth. Follow the pen with your eyes and your eyes only. Don't move your head. And they're looking for three things. They're looking for lack of smooth pursuit. They're looking for uh, onset of nystagmus at maximum deviation. So as far out as you can look. You, can, you will see a distinct nystagmus or jerking of the eyes. And then they look for that nystagmus to be onset before 45 degrees of deviation from center. So as they're coming out, this when is, they this get is the, technical. It is. It's very technical. <laughs> so um, if they have those three clues in each eye, that's six clues altogether that the, the officer would use to determine that alcohol is present in your system. Then the second test that I would normally give is called the nine-step walk and turn. They're going to ask you to stand in a uh, particular manner with your left foot in front of your right foot, heel to toe, while they give you instructions. They're going to instruct you to take nine heel to toe steps down a line, 
turn in a prescribed manner and take nine heel to toe steps back. They're going to ask you to count each step out loud and not let your hands come away from your body for balance. That would be the second test. And the clues in that test would be failure to maintain the, uh, the starting position, not touching heel to toe, turning in an improper manner, allowing your hands to come away from your, your uh, body for balance and failing to count. Yeah. So those are the things they would be looking for. And then the last test they would normally give is the one leg stand, or you're going to hear a lot of people say it's the one legged stand, but that's, that's not the correct terminology where they're going to ask you to stand feet together, heel to heel, toe to toe, pick a foot, either one, lift it six inches off the ground, point your toe, stare at your toe and count out loud 1,001, 1,002 in that manner until they tell you to stop. Um, what they're looking for there is swaying, putting your foot down, failing to count, or using your arms for balance. Um, mm -hmm. And those would be the clues they would look for there. But if there's any, if you have any inkling that you may be impaired, you do not have to take those tests because the test, honestly, those don't are sound not, like easy tests. Well, they're, they're designed, they're designed to divide your attention. <laughs> yeah. So, um, to simulate a driving situation where you're having to drive a car, look out the window, you know, make sure you don't right. hit anyone. So driving is a divided attention activity. So are these tests, mm -hmm. but the law clearly says that failing to give the officer field sobriety test is not disobedience to a police officer. Mm, I see. So you do not, you don't have to take it. Now I will tell you again that if you don't take it and the officer thinks that you are impaired. The only option going, they have is to the only option you they have is to arrest you. Yeah. But they will arrest you with no evidence of impairment beyond you. the smell of alcohol. And like I said, it's not illegal to drink and drive. So smell of alcohol. So this is interesting. I was on my way home from Total Wine the other day in West Ashley. And as I was driving home, I'm like, why does my truck smell like beer? <laughs> And when I got home, I was taking the six pack out of the back. It was on the floor of the back seat and there was liquid in the bag. One of the cans had gotten a puncture somehow and had leaked into the bag. Right. <laughs> and my truck smelled like beer. The inside of my truck smelled like beer all the rest of the day. I guarantee you it did. Right. <laughs> I was thinking like in a situation like that, had, you know, had I been pulled for the, uh, you know, expired thing. And officer probably said, I mean, maybe the beer smell wasn't that, you know, pervasive, but it's like, there's an, there was an alcohol smell in my truck that day. Right. And he would have asked you and to I step gotten out. A big, yeah. It was like, I hadn't, I was stone cold sober. Right. But you would have also been asked to step out. Um, you know, he needs right. to determine at that point sure. is the odor of an alcoholic beverage coming from your person or the vehicle. Right. Um, and you know, the, an officer and, and please understand that case law specifically says that an officer can ask you to step out of your vehicle and it's not a violation of your rights during a traffic stop. If they ask you to get out, you have to get out. It just is the rule, mm -hmm. rule of law. That's interesting to know because you see all these YouTube videos where people, you know, shove it back in the officer's face. They don't even answer the question, is this your correct address right. on the driver's license? And, you know, those videos are not shot in South Carolina, ladies and gentlemen. So. State well, law changes from state to state. And, and you know, it's, a, it's federal case law, Supreme Court of the yeah. United States and Pennsylvania versus Mims and Maryland versus Wilson uh, 
said that for any reason or no reason, an officer can ask a driver under Pennsylvania v. Mims to step out of a vehicle and the passengers under Maryland v. Wilson to step out of the vehicle. And, and it's not a violation of your rights. You, right. you, you must comply. Um, that is a, a quick way to, uh, to find yourself in handcuffs if uh, you want to tell them that you do not have to get out of the vehicle. <laughs> um, there, there's absolutely no reason to do that. Right. I'm telling you from years of experience, the cooperative person gets a break way easier than somebody mm-hmm. that wants to challenge every Someone's word that comes out of his mouth. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is, uh, this is so fascinating. Honestly, I'm going to re-listen to this episode and I'm going to practice those things <laughs> this, this in January just to see if I can do them in front of a mirror. Right. That's interesting stuff. All right. Uh, anything else for, you know, what, what happens next? Or So the, the only other thing after a stop, if you are arrested okay. for driving under the influence, then the, the officer has to take you for a, uh, offer you a breath test. You do not have to take it. But in South Carolina, you are under what's called an implied consent law. So when you got your driver's license, whether you remember signing it or not, you signed on a piece of paper that said, if I'm ever offered a breath test by a police officer, I will take it. Mm-hmm. So your consent, <laughs> Back when you were 16. Your consent is, <laughs> is implied at that point that um, you are going to consent to a breath test. So if you refuse a breath test, then your license will be suspended for six months. Immediately, they will take your license that night. If you have a, a South Carolina driver's license, fill out what's called a notice of suspension, and uh, you are allowed to request a contested case hearing within 30 days of that issuance of that notice of suspension. And if you do request that, it costs $200 to to request that hearing through the administrative law court. But from the time that you request the hearing until the actual hearing happens, you can get what's called a temporary alcohol license to drive just like normal until it's determined whether all the conditions were met to, for the officer to offer you that breath test. Wow. This is one of the reasons why I love talking with lawyers because regular people don't know all this stuff. <laughs> and that's, you know, um, like I've heard that huge. if you, if you say no to a breathalyzer, it's like, bam, your license is taken instantly. But hearing that there's such a thing as a temporary alcohol license to get so you can drive until such a time as they make whatever decision they're going to make. Right. So, you know, in order to offer you that breath test, the officer has to show that you were uh, lawfully stopped, Mm -hmm. that you were lawfully arrested. There was probable cause to arrest you, that they took you to a certified breath testing station, which all the police stations and the jails have them. Um, that they read you your implied consent rights, that they told you you were being videotaped and that the videotape was working, and that you refused the breath test. Now, if any of those boxes, so to speak, cannot be checked, then you win the hearing. If all the boxes are checked, you lose the The burden of proof is on law enforcement. Law enforcement has to prove that they did what they were supposed to have done uh, in a hearing. Wow. So... um, and, you know, a lot of times the officers work night shift, the hearings are during the day and they can't make it. So, it, you know, at that point, it's by default, you win if the officer doesn't show and your lawyer does. Wow. So you would get your license back immediately then. All right. So we got be nice. Have your documents ready. Don't be rummaging around in your bags. Don't incriminate yourself. Right. And the, and the breathalyzer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you've had... 
any amount to drink, if there's any, like I said, any inkling that you may be impaired, there's no reason to give yeah. the police evidence against you. And the breath test is, and they're going to tell you in the implied consent, right, that the refusal can be used against you in court. But it surely can't be used against you as strongly as if you blew a, a .08, which is the legal limit, or right. worse, I've, I've had folks come in that have blown three, three and a half times the legal limit. Wow. Um, and at, at that point, how do you how do you defend that? Yeah. Um, there's just no reason to give the police any any more evidence than they already have. Yeah, if you really are driving impaired, they'll have the evidence from the from maybe. They'll if see how you impaired, were driving. Yeah, they'll see how you were driving. Wow. And know that there's it's a hyper technical law. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of videotape requirements. There's a lot of things that the officer has to do on scene as far as a videotape. When the videotape has to start, what it has to include, um, what you, can you see or not see on the videotape, and all of those fall under a particular part of the statute um, that controls that. And if any of that is failed by the officer the only remedy is dismissal of the charge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why you need a lawyer in these cases because you just don't know. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. But I do it every day. Right. So, um, you know, it may seem like a lot of money to spend, but when you're looking down the, the barrel, so to speak, of, mm-hmm. a, of a permanent criminal record, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's not so expensive at that point. Well, I, I remember when I used to work as a health coach, is when I realized the value of having experts in their field in my, in my, on my speed dial. <laughs> you know, whether, it's, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a, a plumber, electrician, someone in real estate, you know, like having someone who does whatever this thing is day after day after day, they know all the steps, they know when the steps change. You know, that's... It's... There's no replacement for that. Google right. is not going to help you. Yeah, I find, I find it funny. Some of the memes that come out on, uh, <laughs> on social media, it says, please don't re- uh, confuse your Google search with my law degree. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of crass, but... but uh, no, it's uh, totally true. Yeah. Totally true. Totally true. JJ, this, this, is, this is phenomenal. And I promise you, I'm not going to come try to work on your plumbing or <laughs> fix your electricity. I don't know anything about those things, but I do know what I'm doing here. Now, again, listeners, just please remember, this is not legal advice. There's no attorney-client relationship that's formed with any of this conversation. We're just having a conversation at a conference table with microphones. That's what we're doing. And we hope that these, these points benefit you. Well, actually, we hope that you're never in a situation that you need anything like this. But this is valuable stuff to know. Uh, any, anything else for, for, you know, points? If not, I want to jump into the next stuff. Yeah, let's go. All right. All right. So let's move into what we call the final four. All right. So we have four final questions. When work is over for you, well, actually, no, when, when you pause from work, when you pause from work, because I know work never stops. There's always another phone call. There's always another case. But when you pause from work, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, my son and I uh, like to go hunting and fishing. Um, my wife likes to go fishing with us. We, uh, oh, nice. we go hiking and uh, we always have a, a county park pass and a state park pass. We'll take the weekend and go hike trails up in the mountains. It's just get away where there's no cell signal more than anything. <laughs> I understand that. 
Where's the, what's the most recent park that y'all have been to? We just, uh, we just great, a- great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, we, we oh, try to go up in the summer and stay, well, right as, right before school comes back in, in August, we usually go to Pigeon Forge and rent a cabin and then hike uh, to different waterfalls up there. Nice. It's beautiful. Yeah. Summertime up in the Smokies. That's just beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Final four question number two. In the next 12 months, what are you most excited about? Career, personal? So there's, there's a couple answers, but mm-hmm. what, what I think that I'm most excited about right now is that our firm in Somerville, although it's an old firm as far as law firms go, our main office is in downtown Charleston. We also have one in Aiken, but we only opened this office in Somerville in July. Okay. And it is gangbusters so far, and I really look forward to what it's going to be like a year from now uh, if our rate of growth continues. It's, uh, it's going to be very exciting. That's awesome. uh, very exciting place because it's just a ton of people moving into the area. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, you know, I, I will tell you that I've not encountered a bad lawyer in, in Somerville. Everybody that we have bar meetings with or we go to lunch with, and everybody's just exceptional. But the population is outgrowing the number of us. Um, so it's mm. just going to be growth for everyone. I'm just excited to be a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's, it is not slowing down in Somerville. No, I drove up to St. George to the DMV, and every time I drive up there, it's like, "Oh, this is new. <laughs> what's what's going on here?" Yeah, it's exciting times. Final four, question three: What is a parting piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience? I would tell you that the. Uh, if you have a, a encounter with law enforcement that is not exactly the best encounter that you could have had, understand that number one, you're not alone. Mm. It happens to a lot of folks. Um, sometimes through no fault of their own being in the wrong place at the wrong time, I've had a bunch of those cases, but don't let it steal your dignity. And by all means, don't go it alone. Um, whether it's us or another attorney in town, you need representation. I love what you just said where you are not alone. I think one of the biggest lies that people believe internally is I'm the only one going through this. Regardless, you know, whether it's, whether it's uh, an encounter with law enforcement, whether it's something like getting behind on your electric bill, something like, you know, whatever it is that steals your dignity, whatever that situation is that you're going through. The lie that we always believe is, I'm the only person going through this and I can't tell anybody because nobody's going to understand or they're all going to think less of me. You know, that's just not the case. You know, it it never is the case. We're never alone. There's always somebody that will understand. There is. Yeah. So, JJ, what's the best way for the uh, final four question number four? What's the best way for the audience to get in touch with you? So we have a website that is uh, tktlawyers.com. That's uh, T is in Tom, K is in Kite, T is in Tom, lawyers with an S.com. And our telephone number in Somerville is 843-900-4868. And our main number that gets you to any of our uh, 
offices is 843-937-8000. And all right, Somerville office. And you'll always talk to a person when you call. Uh, we don't have a, oh, thank God. a recording for you to press one or anything crazy like that. I you, called a software company yesterday, and within 30 seconds of being on hold, three times that voice came on. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line, and it will be like three times in 30 seconds. I'm like, what? What is it? It was so irritating. Anyway, um, that's awesome. A person answers the phone. You talk with a person. JJ, honestly, I, I could keep asking you law questions for hours, but we are recording this on the Friday before Christmas, <laughs> and traffic is only getting worse. And I'm a lawyer. I could answer <laughs> questions for hours. <laughs> I know in our, in our meeting that we, you and I have together every week, we only have 60 seconds to give our <laughs> spiel. And I, I told him how cruel that was to, uh, to ask a lawyer only talk for a minute. You only That's... have 60 seconds, Mr. Lawyer. Well, JJ, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you for, you know, what, what I really appreciate most, I think, in, in our conversations is your heart for regular people to keep their dignity. You know, it, we all make bad choices. It just so happens that... The people who make bad choices with, with what you work for have criminal attachments to them. And I really appreciate that you focus on how to help those people who made a bad decision. Yes, we're all agreeing it's a bad decision. But if they've made a bad decision, they need help to get their life back on track. And how do we get, how do we get past it? How, yeah. do we, how do we fix what we can, get past the rest? And, exactly. Uh, with the, the minimum uh, consequences. Right. Right, and I like I said, I'm not after, you know, the the, the corporate white collar guys, or or I, I truly like helping people just like me. I grew up in Walterboro, um, you know, in a double wide trailer on a farm, and that's the folks I relate to, and that's who I want to help. Yeah, just regular people Reg- just trying to get through life. Regular folks. JJ, thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. Save, save, save their phone number. 843-900-4868. Because when you need somebody like JJ, you need them. Uh, again, we've been listening, having a conversation with JJ Evans of, what, what, sorry, one more time, the name of y'all's firm. I didn't write it down. Thurmond, Kirshner, and Timms. Thurmond, Kirshner, and Timms, right here in Somerville on Cedar Street. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week here on Somerville Advice Givers where we connect you with the advice you need for when life happens to you. Make the good decision of not driving when you're impaired. Don't drive if you're impaired. But if, if you ever need to talk with an attorney, give JJ a call. In the meantime, have a great week, and we'll catch you next time.